And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast. On a Monday, I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Hope you had a uh, terrific weekend as we draw a bit closer to Christmas. Now, less than two weeks away. Lots going on here in Florida. Beautiful weather. It is uh, low 80s here in Northeast Florida. Has felt fantastic for the middle of December. And I know the uh, winter weather is in full effect in much of the country. But don't let go of golf. Hang in there. There's things to do. There's things to watch. Tiger, of course, is playing this week with his son, Charlie, right here. A little south of where I'm sitting right now in Orlando, the PNC father's son they've got a good field that'll be fun to watch the big cat play now let's set our expectations here on what we are going to see tiger of course uh, is limited as far as the club head speed that uh, he can create and he's playing in this i'm sure charlie is a uh, chomping at the bit to get out there and compete it's going to be fun to to see charlie now a year older from uh, what we saw last year but Tiger, you know, he'll he'll be able to bun his driver out there if needed, but then be able to hit some short irons in with Charlie. And of course, riding the cart will be able to help. I hope Tiger doesn't push it. It sounds like there is a bit of a risk to play at this point. And I hope Tiger uh, doesn't push it, keeps the expectations in check. And uh, we see him out there with Charlie having a good time at the PNC father son down in Orlando. Now there was a little golf on display here uh, over the weekend down in uh, Naples, Tiburon, nice golf course. I've spent some time down there actually when I was the director of instruction for the tour academies, we had a tour academy down there for uh, a little bit and uh, spent some time down there. Beautiful property, did some schools, some lessons, played the course. And uh, it was it was fun to watch uh, this event. I always enjoy it. A little team competition. And Jason Kokrak and Kevin Na come back and they get the victory. They shot 12 under on Sunday to hold off Sam Burns and Billy Horschel, who were the favorites coming in. Had a little bit of a slow start. And then they came on over the weekend. Kucher in English tied for third with uh, Leishman and Day. Going to be talking a lot about uh, Jason Day, his move, the changes that he is making in his swing with Chris Como. If you've been following me here on the podcast, had a great conversation with Chris on Thursday. So much great insight to the guys that he coaches, Jason Day, one of them, the other, Bryson Desham. But I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that podcast. I want to start, though, with Kokrak and Na. Both those guys work with Drew Steckel, who I think is really you know, one of the more underrated coaches in today's game, certainly out there on the PGA Tour. He has a number of players, uh, but make no mistake, you know, Drew Steckel is a very talented coach and uh, he'll be, he's been on the podcast before we, we talked to him uh, right after Jason Kokrak won the Houston Open back in November. I encourage you to go back and check that out, but uh, that was the last time we saw Kokrak. Kokrak was in Houston and um, he got his uh, third win on the PGA tour at the Houston open that goes of course with Charles Schwab that he won back in May. And then back in um, 2020, 
he uh, he won the CJ Cup. That was his his first win. And so three wins now. Kokrak comes back. He he adds a QBE shootout uh, to his uh, trophy case as he uh, goes to bat with Kevin Na. I mean, can you imagine two players that are any more opposite than Jason Kokrak and Kevin Na? And I love that about teachers who have that kind of wide stable of players, guys that swing it differently, go about their games differently. I have a lot of respect for that, for coaches that have that wide stable. And and Drew does, and he's doing a very good job, obviously, um, with these two guys. Kevin Na has to be one of the most impressive players in today's game right now. We are in the power era. There's no question about it. I mean, everybody, it seems, hits the ball 300 in five yards plus every single time off of the tee. You look at Kevin Na, and you look at this long career that he's had, and we'll just, let's just go back to the end of last year, right? Kevin Na, uh, his last win was in Sony way back in the beginning of the year. But you go to the end of last season, and you look at what Kevin Na uh, was able to do uh, in the playoffs. This is a guy that gives up, so much distance uh, off of the tee. And I'm pulling up uh, those results right now that just hopped off. There we are. So we get down to the end of the last season. He's second at the John Deere. He's second at the Wyndham. Gets into the playoff. Northern Trust finishes tied for eighth. BMW Championship T17. And he finishes third at the Tour Championship. This is a guy that does this, hitting it 288 yards off the tee. I mean, say that again, 288. Now, that's a big poke, folks, okay? For the people that are listening to this, I promise probably mm, three-quarters of you would right now Consider giving up a lot that you have in valuables to be able to hit it 288 yards consistently off the tee. I hit it about 290-ish. Okay, so he's hitting about as far as I am. Now I'm 44 years old um, and really can't move that well anymore. <laughs> and Kevin, Na, of course, is a professional golfer, but the point is, is 288 is a big poke, but now it's not a big poke on the PGA Tour. Okay, it's not a big poke on the PGA Tour. I finished him 170th. That was his ranking in driving distance. Now he hits a lot of fairways, which you need to, but when you hit at that distance, you're hitting a lot of mid to long irons into these greens, where a lot of these players, of course, when you're doing that, are hitting short irons and wedges. So. He's giving up a lot of distance, and yet here he is, wins at the Sony, and finishes third at the Tour Championship. It's amazing. I mean, it really is. It's amazing just how much he gets out of his game. Now, of course, he's one of the best short game players in the world, and he's one of the best putters in the world, and that's what allows him to do that, and he has to be that. 
But Kevin, when he gets in the hunt, he's very good situationally. You know, he doesn't back down. There's a real bulldog competitive spirit to him. And I think he plays that and he's very good situationally when he gets in the hunt. He maximizes usually his opportunities. So here you have Kevin Na, who, of course, is going to, you know, get it done around the green and on the green. And then Jason Kokrak, his partner, is probably one of the worst short game players on the PGA Tour, but one of the most improved putters on the PGA Tour since lengthening his putter an inch. But he hits it a long ways off the tee. So Kokrak's hitting bombs. I think Kevin said afterwards it was like 30 yards past him. He's hitting bombs off the tee. They're both probably chipping away at the iron game. But then you get around the green, Kevin Na's magic. And he made a ton of putts on Sunday. So these guys hand the naked. Drew Steckel uh, is their coach. One of the things I thought was interesting that Kokrak said before we get to Jason Day is he said that when he was playing on Sunday, that he was kind of leaving it out to the right. And when I talked to Drew um, a few weeks ago, that is his miss. He'll not draw it and he'll kind of hang it out to the right. And Kokrak is a guy that plays it right to left. There's a lot of respect and, and, and deservably so um, credit towards players that go to the fade. And we're really quick to lead with that. The DJs, um, you know, the Kepka's Spieth went to the fade. It's like everybody goes to the fade to, to win. Right. And there's guys that draw it. Rory draws it. Bryson draws it. Kokrak draws it. There's other guys that draw it. So we got to talk about them too. When they win, Kokrak likes to sling it out to the right and let it come back to the left. And when it doesn't come back to the left, he struggles and particularly off the tee. So he said on Sunday, he said, I went through my checklist that drew and him put together. And I thought that was kind of cool. Little checklist. All right. Here's what I need to make sure I'm doing first, second, third. One of the things that he said is that he needs to stay behind it. I think sometimes Kokrak, when he struggles, and what we can learn from this is that when he starts down, if the shaft doesn't pitch behind him enough, the club head doesn't get in behind the hands enough coming down, he tends to kind of stand up at the bottom. He'll get a little bit of the high handle and he'll leave it out to the right. So he'll kind of, you know, maybe let's say early extent, kind of get up and under it a little bit. Can't rotate and hit it assured that the club head's coming from the inside and let it turn the corner back around the other side and hit that little draw. So there's this feeling of the club head as he starts down, kind of getting in behind his hands. And then from there, he can just kind of turn and hit it, stay in his spine angle and not feel like he has to kind of work up off the ground. And when he kind of works up off the ground, the shaft kind of pitches back behind him late. And then he gets the high handle and he can't get the face around. And that's not a good feeling for a tour player to have. So he was feeling in his checklist like he was staying behind it more. Right. So in transition, maybe not lunging ahead of it a little bit. I see that with a lot of players listening right now. And how we can kind of draw this back to the amateur is in transition, we, we, the upper body kind of gets going ahead. And when it gets going ahead, that shaft can't pitch back early in transition. And then from there, if we're trying to draw it, we got to stall. Pelvis has to come in, handle has to raise, and that's 
kind of the mechanism to draw it. Club face has to kind of flip over more, close more rapidly to hit that hook. Very difficult way to time it. So the key is, is we've got to A, stay behind in transition. And I'm not sure what his exact key is there, but I'm using his words, playing off his words, staying behind it in transition. So the club head can kind of pitch back behind the hands. And now he senses that and can turn, stay in his spine angle, return the shaft and let it exit back around and hit that little tight draw. I think the point to the whole story is you don't want the shaft to pitch back late at the bottom. You want it to pitch back early in transition. And then from there, go ahead and hit it. And I know you've heard that before here on the podcast because we talk a lot about what the shaft is doing. And for Kokrak, who wants to draw it, trust me, he doesn't want to sense that shaft coming down steep in transition. That's not a good thing. He does not want to sense that. If he was trying to fade it, well, he could just rip it and turn it left and hit his fade. Probably be a little bit more acceptable. But if he's trying to draw it, he's going to instinctively pitch that shaft late at the bottom, get the higher handle, and now he's in trouble because he's going to get more blocks. And even when he draws it, he knows he's got to save it more. And that's not a good place to be. So what is your checklist, right? What is your checklist? That is, I think, a very good term that Kokrak brought up. He uses with Drew Steckel. And, you know, I think to hit the draw, right, the checklist for a lot of you listening could be club face. Is the club face closed enough? A lot of you struggle with an open face. So it could be club face more shut in the backswing. It could be uh, even could start with a grip. Is my grip strong enough? Is it strong enough to the right? So I can then get the club face more shut this way. Could be I need to get a little more flexion in my lead wrist, whether at the top or coming down in transition. So these are some of the things that you go through in a checklist. One of the programs that I have, it's called Operation Baby Draw. It's a number one training program. And it is complete context of really kind of defining this checklist and going through that program so you can learn how to draw it. And someone as, you know, as uh, let's say someone as talented as Jason Kokrak is, and accomplished as Jason Kokrak, he has his little checklist as established with his coach, Drew Steckel, when things are not drawing. Simple as that. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I challenge you to find what your checklist is to get the ball flight that you want. All right, moving on here to my uh, next topic, which is. Jason Day. I posted a before and after of Jason Day on my social media account at Travis Fulton Golf on Instagram. Go follow me. You're not following already. And I showed a before and after a swing from, you know, 2000, 
I think it was 17 on the left. And then a swing that was just recent on the right that was provided to me by his coach, Chris Como. And when you look at these two swings, I mean, it's like night and day. It's like, okay, wow, that's very different. What he's doing right now versus, you know, what he was doing back in the day. Now, the first thing you have to understand about Jason Day is this is a former number one player in the world. Jason Day was the number one player in the world winning golf tournaments with a swing that when you look at it and you break it down as a coach, you're like, okay, there's, wow, there's, okay, there's a couple things there. Okay, wait, let me, um, let me take, I know he's the number one player in the world. Like it's when you have conversations and coaches are talking about swings that perhaps don't fit their narrative and don't fit their model, they have a hard time talking about it, especially when it's a player like Jason Day who has had so much success uh, on the PGA Tour. Jason Day is a player that when you look at his swing on the left, he's a player that primarily turned his upper body, but not a lot in his lower body. His lower body didn't turn much. It was very passive um, legs. Upper body turn, left shoulder would come across, not a real long swing. His right hip would actually kind of slide a little bit laterally almost. His hip would kind of ride a bit lateral and then he would kind of start down and then he would bring it down with a lot of extension in his lead wrist. The shaft would be pitched back, although kind of on the steep side. So when it would come down, it would be in between your forearms. So a little steeper attack angle. And then from there, as he would turn and hit it, his spine would tend to back up a little bit into right bend, which is usually the reaction to that. And he would have this incredible, incredible sense of impact dynamics, right? Let's face it. PGA Tour players, professionals, the best players in the world, they have this incredible sense of impact. There's a lot of different swings. You can't just say this swing is the way to the PGA tour. You can't say that there are so many different damn swings and it's easy in social media. Like when you look at that and you post swings that the people that would look at that, it's easy to get in the comments section and say, just swing your swing, just swing your swing. Okay. Swing your swing, right? Yeah. How's that working out for most? Reality is, is there's progress to be made if you're listening to this right now and you're a 20 handicap. There's progress to be made if you're probably a 10 handicap, even a five, right? There's progress to be made if you're playing once a week. There's ways to improve the probability of impact to make your life a little bit easier. When you're playing at the professional level, and you look at all these different swings, it's just incredible sense of impact and making things work. Things that you can't teach. Look at Tiger for crying out loud. He's literally had four different swings. Four different swings. And he's won with every single one of them. He's been the number one player in the world with three different ones. It's incredible. So is it the swing that made Tiger Woods? No, it's not. 
Phil Mickelson has an interesting swing. Phil Mickelson kind of carries this lead wrist down like Jason does on the steeper side with some extension in that lead wrist. And then they kind of get a little soft with their legs. They can't really fly open. Some of them kind of back up with the spine. Some of them raise the handle a little bit. Let the shaft out so the face can square up. And then they carry it on through to the finish. You know, you know who else does that? Mark Leishman. Mark Leishman brings it down on the steep side. Extended lead wrist. It's one of the reasons why they're, they're so good around the greens. They're such good bunker players. That extension has a lot of value around the greens. Not so much in the full swing. You can struggle. And in Jason's case, when you counter that lead wrist, I think with the leg action that I described, the way that he would have to compensate through impact has put a lot of stress on his back. It's put a lot of stress on his back over the years. And when I was talking with Chris on the phone and we were kind of just having this conversation, you know, one of the things that just kept coming to my mind and that I just keep thinking about is like, well, if Jason's had a lot of injury and a lot of stress on his back and a lot of pain, which he has, we've seen it. You know, how many times has he had to withdraw? We, we saw it in the major championship when he, when he basically fell down on the fairway and was holding his back. I mean, just incredible amounts of pain. It has absolutely affected him most of his playing career and has just gotten worse. And my thought is like, well, why didn't he just take a step back a while back and just go ahead and address this now and get some people together, change the swing diet, how you're working out. I'm sure there's a lot of things that he's done and dabbled in the past, but it feels like right now, with him reaching out to Chris and this whole team that's around him and all of this data that that's now been collected and this plan that we're starting to see push forward that we see here in the swing, it just makes me wonder why he didn't do it earlier because I'm getting the sense. I'm getting the sense and I've got, you know, and, and talking to some of my resources out on the PGA tour, we were texting back and forth last night. I'm getting the sense from them that this is, this has to work. This is the last resort for him. This has to work if he wants to play beyond two or three more years. Now, I don't know that. I'm not sure anybody knows that. Maybe a doctor knows that. But that's the sense that I'm getting. That's what I'm being told from my resources. That's the sense that I'm getting from Chris is that, yeah, we got to get this. This this type of change and swing has to happen to relieve some pressure on his back. So what's happening? You look at his swing on the right. Well, you can see, and we're going to keep this very simple and pared down. Chris can talk to it in way more complexity and detail than I can. But what I can do for you here is I'm going to keep it peeled back for you. We're going to keep it in simple terms. You look at Jason Day on the right. And the first thing that you see is you see a bigger hip turn. You see more hip turn. Right, turn your shoulders and your hips. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say that people who are listening here, turn your shoulders and your hips. Be unrestricted. A, it's going to give you more power, and B, 
It just seems to be a hell of a lot easier on your back. How's that? Right hips turning back, your left knees coming across, and your right knees losing a little flexion. And when you do that, you'll feel your left shoulder want to come across even more, and you'll feel yourself just make a much bigger turn, a much bigger turn. And what does that offer you? Well, more speed. It's going to be a lot easier for that lead arm to kind of work around you. And the other thing I, th- I see with Jason is I see a more of a load up into his right heel. I see his pelvis, his right butt cheek. I see his butt cheek kind of sitting back over your right heel. If you were just to set up and let your right hip kind of sink back over your right heel, you'll feel your glute engage. And through that stretch and that, that pelvis kind of climbing back and when you turn the right side of the pelvis gets a little higher and when you kind of sit over there your glute turns on and you feel a little more weight loading up into that right heel and then you let that hip turn you let that left knee release and all of a sudden you're like yeah okay I've made a bigger turn I've had a bit of a change in knee flex and I'm more loaded into my right side and that's the difference that I see in Jason Day That's the difference that I see in the lower body. Yeah, I think I see a little more pronounced hinge as well, but that's, I think, a little secondary. I don't know this, but perhaps there's a little more bend in the right wrist, which is putting the lead wrist in a touch more flexion. And I think that's certainly going to bode well for him, but that lower body is very different. That lower body is very different. What I just said to you is something that I think can add tremendous value in the way of speed, in the way of accuracy, in the way of longevity in the game right now. Not just for Jason Day, but for people that are listening. Now, does that mean that there's not other ways to swing it? No, there are. There's other ways to swing it. And I think Chris brought up a lot of good points from a teacher's perspective, learning from the days of Ernie L's when it was turn your up or not your lower. And learning those patterns. There's been Tiger was like that. Funny, Tiger now is changing knee flex as well. He's turning his right hip, letting his right knee lose some flexion. So I think we know more now. I'm not a doctor. But to me, from a technical standpoint, and, and what I've researched and what I've been told, that picture on the right with Jason Day, what I just described, there's way more green check marks than what I'm seeing on the left. Now, what can he do from there? That deeper turn loaded more into the right heel. Well, now that momentum's going to want to go back to the left, right? So he's kind of over to the right, and now it's going to want to come back to the left. And as he kind of comes back to the left, now there's a feeling that he can just turn and be a little bit more on top of it, perhaps, with a little less side bend to the right, a little more uninterrupted now coming through. Just the simplicity of, like, I've kind of got a little momentum going to my right. I feel my right heel loaded, glutes engaged. Now wants to move back to my left, where I kind of I kind of fall into the left foot, and then I go ahead and turn and hit it. I don't turn going back and hang left. I don't hang left where I feel I'm putting, 
you know, I'm, I'm putting more weight over here on my left foot. And then when I turn and hit it, I get the sense I'm steep. And then I got to back up to shallow it. I don't want that either. Right. So I, when I look at Jason, I, I see the, I see the bigger hip turn. I see the change in knee flex, but I see him kind of over on his right side more too. And I think that's a really good combination where now he can fall left and he can turn and hit it. And what's really get, what's going to be really fascinating to watch. And I'll finish with this. And I appreciate you staying with me here. And I hope this is helpful. It's good insight. I love talking about the players, but I also like talking about what and how it can apply to you. I've always made the statement that I've, you know, I've lengthened way, lengthened way more swings out than I've shortened. When I look at Jason day here, it looks like he's lengthening his swing out. And it's a good example, even though it's Jason Day, it's a good example of what I'm showing 10, 20 handicaps on the lesson tee all the time. All the time. So what we're going to see and what's going to be interesting to see is Jason's going to have a hard time. There's going to be a transition now to the golf course. Um, uh, you know, I when I watched him play this weekend, down at Naples, I, I didn't see this picture, what I'm seeing. And for those that are just listening, you need to go to my Instagram um, and, you need to, and you need to look at this. And it's also on Twitter, at Travis Fulton. Chris Como has a lot of these pictures and videos up as well. Um, and go check him out on Instagram. So um, I think you're going to see this where it's going to be hard for him to, to transition this to the golf course. To me, these are good size changes. You know, this point in his career, he's 35. He's hit a lot of golf balls at a high level the other way. At a high level the other way. What's funny is that picture on the left, the old Jason, if that dude shows up to the most teachers that are commenting on this post and listening, most of them, if that dude shows up, old Jason Day, and it's Frank Johnson, and he's a 20 handicap or a 10 or a five, that's being changed every single time. His name's Jason Day, number one player in the world. All right. Um, Okay, so let's, let's talk about some other parts of your game. Let's talk about what your miss is and maybe... You know, like it's a different conversation. It's a different conversation. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if he makes these changes, you know, if, 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 well, he's going to make these changes, but, but how these changes show up on the golf course, I didn't see a huge difference over the weekend. I'm sure he bailed on it a little bit. It's going to be difficult. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be difficult to take the changes in the swing that we're seeing here on the right. That magnitude of a change and then have all of that show up on the golf course when he's playing for real and he has to write a number down on the scorecard. So it's going to take some time, but it is the right move. It is the right move. He's got a smart team around him. I just would love to know why he didn't do it earlier. Thank you for joining me here on the Stripe Show podcast. I hope you enjoyed Today's episode, we've got a great lineup for the week. Tomorrow, joining me is John Tillery. Uh, John Tillery, top coach out of of Georgia, works with uh, Kevin Kisner, who was in the field with Max Homa. And he also has been working with Ricky Fowler. Speaking of back pain, speaking of swing changes, 
We're going to catch up with John Tiller tomorrow. You're not going to want to miss it. I want to see where Ricky Fowler is out with his changes and what we can expect from him into 2022. It's Stripe Show Podcast. Leave us a comment. Let us know how we're doing the ranking. We're on fire here. We're growing. I appreciate you being here. We'll see you tomorrow with John. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, control, and distance. Encore recently added the Vero X1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls, one that already included the Golf Digest Gold-Rated Elixir and Low Compression Avant 55. Through its full suite of golf balls, Encore can help transform any golfer's game. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more info about Encore and start revolutionizing your game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast.